0: Hey, welcome to Coffee Chat with Camille. Our title of the show is What are the Challenges of Directing a Feature Film with Mark Travis? And this is a part two because Mark has been on the show before and it was amazing to have him as a guest and it will be, I know, another amazing um amazing again for me. Mark Travis works with film directors to generate more organic and authentic performances from their actors. After 40 years of directing, writing, acting, and teaching, Mark has developed a radical approach to working with actors called the Travis technique, turning him, earning him, I'm so sorry, turning him, earning him the title of The Director's Director. And uh, you can find out more about um, the Travis technique by going to T, capital T as in Tom, I as in it, F as in Frank, I as in it, dot U-S. And he says this is his website where listeners can gain access to more information on the Travis technique through videos, blogs, webinars, etc. Okay, so uh, I will wait a few more minutes and see if Travis is able. Mark, so sorry, why am I saying that? If Mark is able to join us, and then if not, we'll just reschedule. Okay, um, but he is a very fas a fascinating person. Oh, I think he's right. Here, let's check. Hello, hi. Hello. Hi, hi, Mark. How are you?
1: Hello, I I am fine and I'm here, Camille. And I just (laughs) moments ago, just to let you know, moments ago saw the agreement that you needed and your list of questions. That was moments ago. So I've been skimming that quickly to get an idea. Yes. Thank
0: you. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's no problem. I'm sorry. I I do things kind of last minute, um, so I do apologize for that. But you may take your time uh, returning the consent form. Um, And then I'd like to go ahead and start the interview. Um, What are the top – yes, and thank you so much for being here one more time. What are the top – 10 challenges of directing a feature film for directors?
1: Well, uh, there are, I don't know if these are the top 10, but I can certainly give you 10 really serious okay. ones. Um, yes. I would say that the biggest challenge, ironically, is does the director really know for sure and is very clear about the story he or she is trying to tell, which has nothing to do with the art and craft of um, filmmaking or cinema or anything like that because basically cinema is just another way to tell a story but if you're not clear about what the story is and you're not clear and maybe number two is are you clear about the journey you want to take the audience on because the audience sits down for two hours or more or less and is going to be taken on a journey while they sit in their seat and do you know what the journey is and I don't mean yeah there's this event and this event and this event i'm talking about the the primary journey which is the internal journey of the protagonist what is the protagonist going to the character that we connect with what's that protagonist journey and how do you envision taking the audience on that journey with the protagonist so those those are the sort of the top two maybe there's three in there two uh, okay and then you start to what's that
0: oh no i'm sorry i'm still listening
1: yeah oh okay then there's another big question which is an interesting one you have a story you're trying to tell and to be very clear that the story is not the script and the script is not the story now a lot of people say no it's the story no the script is a a architectural design Mm-hmm. a suggestion of how to tell the story. Um, so you have to know what the story is first, and then are you aware of the director, how the script written by the scriptwriter, or even maybe written by yourself, is attempting to tell that story in a very short period mm-hmm. of time? Two hours is a very short period of time sometimes to tell a very complex, detailed, and nuanced story. Are you clear on how the script is attempting to do that and then getting down into the analysis of the script, how each scene is attempting to tell the story and these scenes that all get woven together into that necklace of pearls that will become the story. Are you aware of how each scene, how each scene, the intention of each scene, the necessity of each scene? And this gets into something when I'm working with directors a lot. Sometimes we look at a scene, that might be an interesting, fascinating scene, but if we really look at it deeply, we realize very quickly we don't need that scene or the scene is in the way or the scene has the danger of bringing up something else or moving the audience in a direction that is working against the story, is not helping the story. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of looking at it. And sometimes you'll have 40, 50, 60 scenes in a movie, and you have to understand how each one works separately, and each little scene is a movie in itself. And so you have to understand it. So there's a lot of work to be done prior to anything that has to do with getting the film made. So there, there's a handful of stuff right there.
0: Yes, it is. And then, may I ask, who was your mentor when you were a new film director and why?
1: Uh, okay, I had, a, I had a lot of mentors. And going back to uh, the group theater, which you may or may not know about, the group theater, which included people like Harold Klerman and Stella Adler and Elia Kazan, Stanford Meisner, people like that. Now, a lot of these people either knowing them in person or work studying with them in person or just knowing their work became mentors. And I did work with Harold Klerman and Bobby Lewis, who was also a member and Stella Adler. I studied with her. And these are people who actually inspired me. Um, and Elia Kazan, who I never met sadly. Um, but their work has inspired me to go in a certain direction. And all of that was going way back to even Stanislavsky is from Russia uh, and, and his work. So these, these are people who inspired me when I became interested first in theater and then in film about this, this art of storytelling either on the stage or on the screen. And the most fascinating part of it to me has always been the characters and these people and how do we portray characters and how do we design and manufacture these characters and how do we put these characters in relationships that are compelling in order to tell the story, something that we know is fictionalized, fiction or fictionalized, and it's not real, it's on the screen, it's on the stage, but that the audience will accept it as being the truth, will accept it as being reality for that moment. So these are the people who inspired me from the beginning. Then there were other people like Mark Rydell, who became a close friend and was a major feature film director, and I worked with him for years, and or he worked with me for years, and I was inspired by them. Then I've been inspired by a lot of current uh, filmmakers uh, and, and their work. Sometimes inspired, not because I like the work, but because it's something I don't like. I don't appreciate and so I learn more about what kind of filmmaker I want to be and there's obviously people like Spielberg and some of the ones you've listed later on your list here like Woody Allen and Scorsese <laughs> and, <laughs> and yes. the All all of all, all of these people are, are an inspiration and then there are individual films like this the film The Father I don't know if you know about the film The Father that came out a couple of years ago which is to me, one of the most inspirational films I've ever seen because he found a way in filmmaking to take us inside the internal, personal experience of a character so deeply that it's disturbing. It's disturbing Mm -hmm. as we watch the film. Uh, He found a way. If you don't know the film, I don't want to ruin it for you. But... It's a French director, Julian Zeller, and he um, – anyway, it's fascinating film. So there, there are many, many people, and sometimes just yes. a scene or a moment in a film will inspire me. So mentors um, that I've worked with and mentors that I've been inspired by, a lot of them.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. And then as You're an welcome. actor it- – <laughs> And as an actor and a director of the 1991 movie Going Under, for which you starred and directed, what were the challenges you faced and what did you find agreeable?
1: Well, first of all, I don't know why you think I in it because I'm not actually in it. I just directed it, um, but that's okay the um i have been in a lot of other films as an actor but not not a film that i'm directing i don't think i would do that because that's another big topic we could talk about sometime camille is the challenge of both being in a film and directing it or the challenge of writing a film and directing it when you have when you take on two roles but the challenges with going under the 1991 film first of all the Some of the biggest challenges was my first feature film and my first feature film was for a major studio, Warner brothers. And so suddenly I'm dealing with a big studio with big executives and and powerful producers and I'm doing my first film. And so my, I had done, I directed a lot of television before that, but not a feature film. And so suddenly I was facing new challenges of storytelling. And dealing, dealing with a large crew, dealing with a lot of special effects, and dealing with things I had never dealt with before. So it was a big uh, learning curve for me to the point that when the film was done, it was very clear to me I had a lot more learning to do uh, to be able to actually master this, um, this art form, this way of telling stories. So the, 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 so the biggest challenge is... Uh, were challenges that I presented to myself just because of my lack of understanding or experience uh, in filmmaking. And I, I think it would have been better for me to do a smaller film, um, a less complicated film, and maybe not for a big studio, for a more independent film to begin with, or do a lot of short films, which I've done since. And I've done documentaries and a lot of other films since then, but that one was a big wake-up call like this, uh, process is a lot more difficult and challenging and undefinable than you th- you think it is. Fortunately, I was working with a lot of great actors, you know, like Ned Beatty and Bill Pullman and people like that, um, who were very supportive. Thank goodness, these people had tons of tons and tons of experience. And they were very patient with me and very supportive. And I had a great cinematographer too, uh, Victor Hammer, who is working a lot now. He's a brilliant cinematographer. So a lot of of people were very supportive to help me get through that process. Are you still there?
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What What are the unique... Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's my music. You funny. disappeared, Camille. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Okay. What are the unique challenges of directing between different movie genres, i.e. comedy versus drama for a director?
1: Well, again, it's a huge topic. First of all, the number of genres okay. we have in story, storytelling are huge. And it's not just comedy or drama, but there's, there's, there's thrillers, there's romantic comedies, there's the slasher films, there's horror films, there's sci-fi. I mean, there were so many different genres. And I think the important thing and to be aware of, and this is another sort of mentor of mine was Blake Snyder, who was a good friend passed away many years ago sadly but he wrote a book on screenwriting he was a screenwriter not a director a book called save the cat and his way of breaking down genres and how they work is fascinating so i think in terms of directing different genres first of all understand how that genre works not just the one in your script not just the way it's used in the script but and if you're doing a thriller Do you know how thrillers work? And to do a lot of research, and I would suggest reading uh, Save the Cat or Save the Cat Goes to the Movies or reading uh, Robert McKee's story um, and to understand how that genre works. Then look at your script that you have. And is it fulfilling all the needs of those genres? Because the needs of a genre are really what the audience is used to and is expecting and counting on. And if you skip over some of the specific needs of that genre, you will disappoint the audience. So to understand that first, then as you're going into beyond that, the script, understand how you need to cast the film, put together the whole production in order to maintain the tone and the, and the, and the, essence of that genre and now you're getting into cinematography how do you want it to look how do you want that there's there's so many things to explore in each genre and each department that you're working with so they're all very very different
0: okay excellent and then um were there times when you discovered there was more than one way to direct a director
1: Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to answer that question, um, Camille. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have children? Yes, I do. Okay, good. Is there more than one way to raise a child?
0: Absolutely. Yes,
1: yes. and I think it would. But the reason I'm asking you this is because I'm not. Too, I don't want to get too personal, but you know, every child is different. <laughs> every child yes. is different, and you and yes. I know because of raising children and being once being a child myself and having five brothers and sisters and we're all so different and so Mm -hmm. when you say is you know is there more than one way to direct a director yeah it all depends on that director every director is totally different and it's also very important in terms of the work i do every actor is totally different um there are books about on how to direct actors and how you know and how, how to deal with actors and they're good they're good. But you have to realize every actor is a human being every director is a human being they are different they have different needs fears desires abilities you know shortcomings strengths arrogance humility who don't? so it's you're actually working with a human being who is trying to express themselves this is why the child analogy works and i'm working with a director who could be you know 20 30 40 50 years old doesn't matter their age And they are, because every film is different, they are working on a project that they are trying to bring to life. And they're trying to express themselves in some way through this project. So I have to know how to deal with that individual, and then I have to know how to deal with that project and to find some way that there's a collaboration between the director and that project that is fulfilling to both the director and the project and the audience. So every single, time I'm working with a director start consulting. It's I have to it's really literally, which is great. Start all over again, I have to start right from the beginning all over again. And so there's no boilerplate. There's no cookie cutter way to do this.
0: Okay, perfect. And then, um, let's see, how did you gain the trust of a new director to an A-list director? And how long did it take for the buzz to build that you were excellent and trustworthy with assisting directors? <laughs> There's
1: about three questions in there.
0: I know, right?
1: Uh, uh, how do you gain the trust of a new director? How do you gain the trust of an A-list director? And how many years did it take for the buzz? Okay, that's three. I'll go. I'll start with the first one. How do I gain the All trust right. of a new director? With a new director, um, a student director, or so maybe has directed a little bit of something, but relatively new, um, first of all, getting back, this is answering your first, the other question a little bit first. First of all, the, the question is, am I working with them in terms of training them, or am I working okay. with them to help them prepare for a specific project? If it's training, now those are two different ways I have to approach them. If it's training a new director, I have to uh, discern where their strengths and weaknesses are and give and let them know uh, how I can help them strengthen up those areas that they are weak or uns- unsure or insecure. And I have to give them examples of how that can happen, so they go, oh, then we're, you're talking about getting the trust. And they go, oh, I see. Oh, yeah. And now he's helping me see it, and now I see it. That's how you get the trust. You get the trust through the work. And it's yes. the same thing with an A list director. Um, let's say I, I work with a lot of A list or B A or B list directors who have big projects that they're doing, and. <clears throat> It's really this one I'm working on now that will be shot in Europe soon. Um, And the big thing is for them to realize I do understand the script and I do understand their take on the script. And I do understand the movie that they want to make, which is really Mm -hmm. crucial. Because since I'm a director, I can look at that script. And if I was asked to direct it, I may... I would make a very different movie just because I'm a different person, so I have to align myself with that director and that director's vision and support that vision. and the best one of the best ways to support the divi- that um, the vision that the director has is actually question it and is actually ask a lot of tough questions about it, questions that they maybe have never faced or don't want to face about the project, the script or their vision. They don't want to face it, but we're going to face it because we're going to deal with it because otherwise it'll come back and bite you later. So they realize that I have their best interest and the project in mind and I have a way of getting to the tough questions and getting through them and coming up with solutions um, that'll help them.
0: Excellent. Okay, and then um, was there a time when a director did not take the direction you provided on the set? And could you please explain what you learned from that experience?
1: Okay, yeah, there were many times. Many times I've seen this and, and one key time when I was on the set in Italy with the director I'd worked with, and we'd worked on I'd helped him prepare for about almost a year for that project. And I'm on the set. Now, as I'm on the set watching, and I'm not there as a director at all. I'm really, or even a directing coach at all. I have to, because I have to give him full autonomy. He has to be totally in control and I can't interfere. And I will see him doing something that I go, Oh, that is not going to work. That is not going to work. That is not, you know, he's forgotten something he's or he's trying something new, but it's not, and there's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. Um, so you, you asked me what, what have I learned from that experience? I've learned from that experience that this will happen frequently. Often Mm -hmm. there's one thing, Camille, that I learned a long time ago from a book, uh, written by R D Lang. The book is called the politics of experience. And one of the things he said in this this book is there's there's only one thing you will learn from experience, only one. And that's enough to say, here it comes again. (laughs) That's what you learn. And so getting back to your question, I go, okay, there it goes again. And sometimes I've seen films films, from clients of mine. I was not there while they were shooting because I'm usually not. And I see what they did and I go, okay, there it goes again. And the hard part to be really honest and transparent. The hard part about this Camille is I'll be working with a director and I'll sense what, which I can do very well. For some reason, I'm really able to sense and anticipate problems. And I don't mean, uh, money problems or, or, relationship problems, problems within the story pro- problems of the audience being able to comprehend what's going on i can see those i can feel those and i'll bring them up i'll bring them all up and many times the director or the writer or the director and writer, whatever or the, even the producer will go no no it'll be fine it'll be fine we don't have it's not going to be a problem and then then i just have to let go i say okay i brought it up then when i see the film and I see that the problem is still there. And the worst thing is the critics who write about the film, or the people who see the film, and they bring it up. And that's painful because I did bring it yeah. up. We didn't, we didn't find a solution. And many times I bring things up and we think we've, even I think we've found the solution and we haven't. And that's hard, so it keep, you know these things keep coming back again. So it's not a perfect world where I can work with the director and save them from every black hole that they may fall into or their, their story will fall in. I can't. I can keep you know a lot of them away. I can guide them through the process so there's less chance of things going wrong story-wise. But there's always a problem. Yes.
0: Thank you. And then uh, this is our last question. Of the IMDb's top 10 directors in Hollywood list, could you name one scene from one of their movies that could have been directed differently? So, of that the top 10, it's, dif- it's, like, Yes, that could have been directed differently. It could
1: have it could so have been directed differently. differently. Wow. Yes. That's uh, <laughs> um um well, well, first of all, I'm going to refine your question. It's a good question. Okay. I'm going to refine okay. your question a little bit. Um, okay. Because, first of all, Camille, any scene could have been directed differently. Um, and that doesn't mean it's going to be better or worse, you know, in terms of how well it functions within the story. But if you're talking about being, um I'm, I'm going to pick someone who's not on your list, who probably should be. But anyway, um, a okay. scene, but if you're talking about a scene, which is really, I think, what you're asking, Camille, that the way yes. it was directed did not help the story. If it had been directed differently, it would have helped the story. It would have made it a stronger film than the different direction as intention, has meaning to it. And I don't know if you saw the film, uh, The Power of the Dog, um, that was up for multiple Academy Awards. And there are many scenes in that film that are problematic. But there's one scene where the young boy, uh, the young um, gay boy, is being uh, ridiculed by all these cowboys and everything like that as he walks through the cowboy camp. Okay, and he walks through the camp and they sort of jeer at him, Then he walks back in the other direction. They keep jeering at him. And just that part of the story, just that little part there. When I watched that the first time I was just, I was in pain. I go, this doesn't work. This Mm -hmm. is not working at all. I can see the intention of the scene. I can feel the intention of the scene. I had read that scene from the book. I know exactly what the author in the book intended, but it's not happening on the screen. And the reason that it's not happening, working on the screen, is that the young actor, who is not that experienced, unfortunately, um, and I felt was miscast, but that's not his fault. The young actor walking through the cowboy camp, and the character had no reason to walk through that camp, no reason at all, except that the director wanted him to so that she could shoot him and see all the cowboys making fun of him and then walk back again. And there's no reason to walk back so that the staging of the scene was a huge problem. In fact, in one of the courses I just did, um, which is online, if anybody wants to see it, on the power of staging, we examined that scene and the multiple different ways you could have adjusted the staging of that scene to make it really work. But when something like the staging of the scene doesn't work or the intention of the character makes no sense, this is what we call black holes, and suddenly the audience is popped out of the movie. And they don't know why Mm -hmm. that that's when they go, they are not engaged. That's when they'll get up and go for the beer. or that's when they'll get up or whatever, but their mind is disconnected. Now that's a big, um, task and obligation of the director is once that movie starts, you have to keep that audience engaged with that movie for the entire two hours, every single second, don't let them out and be aware of when you are letting these, these are cases and that's film with all its accolades, um, and several scenes like that that we looked at that just allowed us to get out of the movie. And uh, and when you get um, out of the movie, when you jump out of the movie, what you start thinking about is movie making, storytelling. Well, why did he do that? Why is, and we start questioning it rather than being emotionally involved with the characters. We're not involved with the characters at all. We're involved with the Director and the people who are making the movie and were saying, "Why did you do that?" And that's that's a big problem. And many, now all all your lists, Spielberg, Cameron, Woody Allen, Scorsese, Eastwood, David David Fincher, all all of these. Yes. Ridley, there were a lot, lot of and David Fincher's *Mank*. There's a, there's there's a lot of scenes like that. I would say in almost every film. Now this is just me. I will see a scene, that I go, "Ooh." you know, it didn't, it didn't quite work. Now, you can look at my movies and probably say that about every scene. Well, it didn't quite work. So this is not a criticism at all. This is just a reality, like I was talking about before, of the film making business. It is that difficult. It's that difficult. It's hard to create a film where every scene works. And I'm going to go back to another director, James L. Brooks, who did as good as it gets. And in that scene with Jack Nicholson, if you listen to the commentary on that film, on a specific scene, there's a key scene right in the middle of the film where Nicholson's character agrees to drive um, Greg Kinnear's character to Baltimore. So Greg Kinnear Mm -hmm. can go talk to his parents I don't know if you remember and it's it's a scene that if you look at you go wow they're on thin ice here it's making no sense that Jack Nicholson's character would do that every everything you know doesn't make sense and Jack Nicholson said in the commentary he says sometimes you run into scenes that make no sense he says I can't make any sense about why my character was doing this so what you have to do is you just plow into it and do the best you can and hope nobody really notices and that's the truth. Now, that's from you know a major actor who's aware. There's always going to be scenes like that, and we and even the directors, the writers, and producers know that eh, we're on thin ice here because we're trying to tell a story, and we have to have this turning point somehow. So let's just do it and hope that nobody notices. Okay, that's
0: this. All of this has been outstanding. This is my second interview with you, and I always learn so much. And I'm really hoping Why, that, <laughs> that that my audience and listeners are also, um, especially who are in the acting business or thinking to pursue it, I'm learning a lot from these interviews that you have um, showed up for. I'm just so thankful to you, thank Mark. You. I always wanted to call you by you. your last name because uh um, okay. but at any that. rate <laughs> so i, I, want I just want you. to thank you yes
1: okay. i just I'm want listening. to say say to you to your listeners um, if any of your listeners want to get in touch with me i'd be happy to be in touch with them by email or whatever the the easiest way is to go to my website which uh-huh. is very simple t i f i Tiffy. Uh, Travis International Film Institute, T-I-F-I dot U-S, or my email, markwtravis at com. You can write to me through either one. Get in touch with me. Please mention uh, Camille Emblem and this interview when, when you contact me so I know about how you got to me. But if you have any questions or want more information, I would be happy to help you out.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you. You're welcome. And uh, <laughs> and hopefully we'll talk again in the near future. Bye for now.
1: I'm sh- I'm sure we will. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> bye. That was so wonderful, Mark Travis a film director, with film director, that's who I was with, a film director. And um, he is coined the name, or earned this name, rather, the director's director. Again, you can reach him at capital T is in Tom, I is in it, F is in Frank, I as in it, dot U S. Okay, so everyone, you have a great rest of your week. And um, I did extend this interview so that Mark could continue to share with us all of his expertise. Okay, and I was just so thrilled. I get so happy. Um, I'm I, just when people share with all the experience, um, like Mark, it's just it's really just thrilling. Okay, so uh, as I said before, bye for now, everyone. And um, oh, I'm sorry. You can find this episode too at coffeechatwithcamille.com. Okay? Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help so you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy.